For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. B98.5's Tad and Drex Show podcast. Helping you catch up on what you missed. B98.5, 80s, 90s, and now. Thank you so much for listening. It's Tad, Drex, and Kara. If you aren't aware of this, Governor Kemp made a decision to open up some parts of the uh, Georgia economy on Friday. Um, hair salons and tattoo parlors, things like this. And then uh, restaurants coming up on Monday. Got a chance to talk with the governor. How are you? Man, we're doing good. Keeping busy over here. How about you guys? <laughs> doing great. Somebody pointed out that like hair salons tattoo parlors, these things that are opening on Friday are like the most intimate things that you could possibly open. Is it because you need a haircut? Is that what's behind all this? (laughs) Uh, I do not need a haircut because my youngest daughter cut mine Sunday and uh, there's one side of my head that's not real pretty to look at right now. But (laughs) Definitely pin up demand, but I would just uh, tell people to Look at the guidance that we put out. You know, this is giving the folks that had businesses that we closed to is, you know, I remind people to help flatten the curve so that we had time to build up our hospital bed capacity to make sure that we had the hospital bed capacity in our state, which we definitely have now. So it allows us to start moving back in a measured way and allowing some of these businesses that the government closed down, unlike all other businesses in Georgia. They've been able to continue to operate other than these specific ones following the 20 criteria. And if you look at those, you know, it's the normal thing, spacing people out, using PPE. A good example, you know, I had to do the television interview last night. I had, you know, someone that did the, the makeup and put my mic on me and you know, there was no, it, it was like getting a haircut, right? But they had masks on, they had gloves on, they had hand sanitizer. You know, I was in there for a short period of time. You know, I went in and I went out. And that's basically how these uh, places of business are going to have to operate. It's not going to be business as usual. And we're not mandating people go get a haircut. We're not mandating that people open their business. If they don't feel like the time's right and the public won't buy into that, they certainly don't have to do it. But we are definitely at a place, I believe, in our state, based off of the science and the data and the conversations with public health officials, that we can gradually start easing back and allowing some of these businesses that we close to open. I did see a meme from Holland where you could have your nails done by sticking your fingers through the mail slot and have the nail artist on the other side of the mail slot (laughs) outside your house. Well, look, I think there's going to be some very creative ways that people can do this. You know, a a lot of people have said something about the bowling alleys and, and, um, you know, um, fitness centers, but I've talked to fitness center guys and they have a great plan for how they're going to open back up and what they're going to do. One of them is hiring an epidemiologist to help them give guidance on that. So they're taking this very seriously. I mean, look, they have a a liability perspective that they got to have to make their employees comfortable to come back to work and also get their customers to come back. If they don't 
they don't feel like they can do that, they, they don't need to, and they may not be able to because the guidelines we have are very strict. You know, our shelter-in-place order is still in effect. Uh, I, I harped on the medically fragile and those are, that are really most vulnerable to the disease. We've got to continue to protect them. You know, people that have respiratory issues like my wife does this time of year with, with uh, allergies and, you know, asthma, she doesn't need to be getting out. You know, neither does my mom who's in her 80s or my mother-in-law who's, you know, in her, her mid-80s as well. Uh, but for people that feel like they can can do that and they want to, it gives them the option to do that. And I think that's a you know measured step forward. Uh, Governor Kemp, uh, we want to say thank you. Being a leader during this time has got to be really difficult. So thank you for the hard work you're doing. And you probably already know this, so it's not something new. We're telling you, you are the news cycle right now. <laughs> it, it's you. I told the governor very simply that I disagree with his decision. But he has to do what he thinks is right. How are you dealing with that as a person? And then when do you see, like, this news cycle kind of ending and uh, the media goes on to something else? <laughs> well, it, we were actually talking about that this morning. Uh, you know, I've been in these situations before. I've had to make some very difficult decisions. I mean, look, as a small business person for 30 years that has been through recessions and barely hung on during the Great Recession, you know, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, didn't make it through that. I've seen a, an experience myself having employees that depended on a paycheck for from me to be able to feed and clothe and house their families. And I've been in the position where, you know, I've had a really hard time doing that, many times doing that when I couldn't pay myself and was having trouble paying my own bills. So I know how painful that is. It was a painful decision to close businesses. And that's why, you know, I think it's important that we try to give these folks an opportunity to open back up you know the the people that are trolling me on twitter right now they're not seeing the trauma in our emergency rooms like i know that we're seeing now because of domestic abuse and child abuse issues with people that are frustrated and they're cooped up and many of them are on their last straw so and you know we can't keep going like this forever i just had a call with deputy secretary hargan at hhs about what we were doing and kind of what they were doing at the federal level. And he, he talked about, you know, when this virus comes back in the fall or the winter, well, we know it's going to come back. Are we just going to stay sheltered in place till November or December or January? I mean, we can't do that. We're already seeing our food banks being overrun. We're having a hard time getting enough funding and, and food supplies for people to feed people right now. I mean, that is a reality that I'm getting where a lot of people, you know, if they're sitting at home and, you know, drawing a paycheck, then, you know, they're not experiencing that. And it's easy for them to say this is a crazy step forward. But if you're one of those desperate people out there, if we don't turn some of those people loose, they're going to do something dramatic. You know, they're going to start stealing to feed their family or they're going to go somewhere else and work. And that is not how this should work in my opinion and and also you know the national uh, hits i'm taking right now i'm used to that it's pandemic politics at its best the colorado governor who's a liberal democrat is basically doing the same exact thing that i am and you haven't seen near the criticism probably no criticism of the measures that he's taking and look i haven't i haven't criticized any other governors i know everybody's making very tough decisions they're doing what they think is right but I'm not really worried about the national press. I'm worried about protecting our people in Georgia in many ways, their health care, but also their livelihoods. And that's important to Georgians. 
I trust our people to make good decisions and to follow the rules. Governor Kemp, you uh, said, you know, that you are allowing businesses to open, but you're not mandating that they open. They can make up their own mind. Uh, But then at the same time, telling you you basically said that cities in the state can't make up their own rules. Is that am I getting that correct? Like the city of Atlanta, for example, can't say no nail salons can't open. They can't kind of override your decision. That's correct. Municipalities can't do anything more restrictive or less restrictive. And I know, you know, I've gotten that question before, and, you know, I certainly understand uh, that way of thinking and, uh, you know, understand and respect the mayors that, you know, are not happy with this. But there are a lot of mayors that are happy. Um, When we were given local control on orders earlier before we moved to the shelter in place, I had many people saying, you got to do a statewide order. Because, you know, one city has done a shelter in place. All those people are leaving. They're coming to Laco County. They're coming to the coast. We're being overrun with their people. And they're like, you got to do a statewide order. So this thing is like a water balloon. You know, if you if you do something somewhere, people are going to move. So it, I think in this situation, if you allow the municipalities to do something more restrictive, the only thing you're going to see happen is those workers are going to leave that community and go to a community to work where, you know, they don't have those restrictions in place or move to another state to do that. So I felt like right now it's better to do a statewide approach. Governor Kemp, you talked about the Colorado governor. And I remember, I think it was on Monday, they said that you guys were all on a video conference with the vice president. And that just got me thinking, like, do you guys do you guys use Zoom? And then which who's the governor? Which one is it that never mutes their damn <laughs> microphone? Who is it? Call them out. Call yeah. him or her out. Yeah, that is the, today's world. Of course, I can't say anything. We we have a video conference line uh, here at the Capitol where I've been working out of since all this started. And I don't know what the problem was, but Monday I could we couldn't figure out how to unmute our phone. So it wasn't <laughs> that we weren't muted; we couldn't unmute. So I ended up having to call in to to give my report. But imagine a politician not being able to speak. That would be. I mean, that would just be... <laughs> is that why we're in this mess? <laughs> we, were on, we were on one call and somebody didn't have their phone muted and you could hear the uh, toilet flushing in the back. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. We're talking about uh, other governors of other states. Wasn't there at some point some discussion about doing like an alliance, a southeast alliance of governors to kind of <laughs> all be on the same page? Did that meeting ever take place? Or uh, We had a great call with a lot of the southern governors on uh, Saturday for about an hour went really well i don't think any of us really felt like we needed to form some sort of official coalition so i don't think any of us really felt like we needed to have a coalition we can pick up the phone and get everybody together in a moment's notice or make individual calls and i think that's how you'll see us continue to handle it and if somebody wants to do that i'm certainly willing to but there just wasn't a desire uh, to do that i think you know all of us know where everybody else is and certainly respects the decision-making of the great governors we have down south. So you're not worried about biker gangs from Florida coming up here to get tats? Uh, no, I'm not too worried <laughs> about that. Uh, if, if they do, they'll have to uh, follow the guidelines. That we have. Uh, you know, if they don't, we'll, uh, we'll arrest them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Governor Kemp, I know we've got these shelter-in-place orders until the end of this month for most of us, and then our elderly community and medically fragile goes through mid-May. But is there some kind of timeline to reopen our parks and trails? 
Well, our the state parks and the beaches are open now. Um, there is a caveat there, and this, this is kind of another example of the national press going absolutely crazy, not understanding what we were doing. I got heavily criticized for not closing the parks and and, um, and reopening the beaches versus what the locals had put in place when I did the shelter in place. But, you know, we didn't open the beaches or the state parks for spring break parties. We opened them where families could go camp mm-hmm. to get a few days out of this madness. They had to stay in their campsite, not gather with, with other folks that were camping. We patrolled that. We had absolutely no issues. Same thing with our boat ramps. And then on the beaches, we didn't allow umbrellas and you know coolers and people to go mm-hmm. start laying out. We allowed people to come and get some exercise, let the kids get a little energy out of them, give the parents a little bit of sanity in this mad world that we're living in. You, you speak of sanity, Governor Kemp. Well, I love having my seven-year-old daughter at home, and is she not the biggest U, uh, Georgia fan in the entire world? She's just running around in her, uh, like, Georgia cheerleading outfit. I would love to see her wear her Georgia cheerleading outfit to summer camp this year. Any chance that that happens. <laughs> He's, or any place, actually. Yeah, it doesn't I wouldn't matter. Wanna, I wouldn't want to go so far as saying uh, summer camp. Uh, anything about that just yet. I okay. think we've got to continue to follow the data here for the next couple of weeks and see where we are. I mean, still our, uh, you know, our, our large, you know, our concert venues and entertainment uh, bars and nightclubs, they're still shut down. Uh, so there's still some things that are probably not a good idea to do. We'll continue to watch our numbers and see where we are as we get a little closer to June. Can you make a promise that by the time his seven-year-old is old enough to be a cheerleader, that the dogs will be able to play? In my opinion, you're old enough to be a cheerleader when you're seven years old. Ah, From the the words of authority, there There we go. go. There you go. Governor Kemp, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We really do appreciate it. Uh, I wish that we could have called Britney Spears, like in the last 24 hours, and be like, listen, Governor Kemp's taking the heat right now. Could you please do something crazy? <laughs> but it yeah. didn't work out that way. Well, something else will pop up here for long. But, uh, you know, it just, we're, we're taking measured approaches, and we just want to urge people to follow the guidance we're putting out this week. I think the more our citizens become educated, they'll realize that, you know, this is not a crazy move. It's very calculated and very well thought out and pragmatic to help the great people of this state, but also continue to keep us safe. Thank you. We really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Have a great day, guys. All right, you too. too. Take care. She's in the know about everything happening in pop culture. Can you beat her? It's Are You Smarter Than Kara on B98.5. Good morning, Barbara and Dunwoody. Good morning. Hi, could you please kick Kara out of the studio? Kara, you're gone. I'm out of here, Barbara. Good luck. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to ask you five pop culture questions. Answer more right than Kara. Win 100 bucks of her money. If she answers more right than you, she wins. All ties go to the house. Here's question one, Barbara. Uh, Lady Gaga released the track list for her upcoming album, which includes duets with Ariana Grande and The Rocket Man. Who's The Rocket Man? Elton John. Number two, Ryan Seacrest pulled the original judge's desk out of storage for the upcoming live episodes. Uh, name one of the original judges from American Idol. Simon Cowell. Number three, a documentary about the women who inspired a league of their own is going to hit Netflix soon. Who is the coach of the Rockford Peaches? There's uh, no crying in baseball. Is that what he says? Are you crying? There's no crying. Yeah. Is it Tom Hanks? 
number four, a new is it? Uh, we're going to find out in a minute. Number four, <laughs> a newly discovered snake has been named after a house at Hogwarts in the Harry Potter movies. That house, Slytherin. And number five, Dennis Rodman tweeted that he hopes his buddy Kim Jong Un is okay. What was Dennis's nickname in the NBA? Oh, no. Uh, Sparky. All right. Let's break Kara back in. Why is it Sparky, Barbara? Don't answer that. Uh, all right, you did well, though. You got four right, and the questions are very hard. Kara's not going to get question five right, so we'll probably have a four-to-four four tie. Same questions, Kara. Number one, Lady Gaga released the track list for her upcoming album, including duets with Ariana Grande and the Rocket Man. Who's that? Elton John. And Kara, very upset that Lady Gaga pushed back that release date. I know you were. I am. A one-to-one. That's what Barbara said. Number two, Ryan Seacrest pulled the original judge's desk out of storage for the upcoming live episodes of American Idol. Name one of the original judges. Paula Abdul. Could have said Randy Jackson. Barbara said Simon Cowell. Two to two. Number three, a documentary about the women who inspired a league of their own will hit Netflix soon. Who was the coach of the Rockford Peaches? Tom Hanks. Spot on. That's what Barbara said as well. Three to three. Was the team based in Georgia with the Peaches name? No, I, I think, think so. They were all kind of mid West. Yeah. Question four. Newly discovered snake has been named after a house at Hogwarts in the Harry Potter movies. That house? Slytherin. That's what Barbara said. Nodded up at four. Finally, question five. Dennis Rodman tweeted he hopes his buddy Kim Jong-un is okay. What was Dennis's nickname in the NBA? No, I don't You know. just got to take a guess because Barbara had a great guess. like Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Okay. Tad? Is it the snake? No, he was the worm. The worm. Close. close. A small worm is officially a small snake. Yeah, so you're pretty close there. That's venomous. Final score is four to four, and all ties do go to the house because Kara puts up 100 bucks of her own money. Kara, 755 wins and 25 losses. Good game, Barbara. Good game. 98.5, 80s, 90s, and now good morning, and thanks for listening. We're so fortunate to have Dr. Del Rio Carlos Del Rio, Emory University, coronavirus expert, um, available to us several times a week. Joining us on the phone right now, Dr. Del Rio, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Good, good. <laughs> it's exhausting, isn't it? What are your hours like? You work uh, uh, from dusk till dawn, dawn till dusk? Something like that, honestly. <laughs> I wonder if you get a dirty look from the other scientists, because you guys are trying to create a vaccine and some uh, medicinal therapies here. and Like, oh, you know, I'm going to take off, guys. Well, we got all this work to do. Uh, yeah, we do have all this work to do. But it's you know it's interesting because that, I mean things are changing so rapidly. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. What Drex was wanting to know is where did you go for spring break? <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the lab, my backyard, my yeah. backyard, the home office. <laughs> so right out of the gate, a couple of things that are out there right now is a couple of cats in New York State tested positive for coronavirus, but their owners did not. Anything about that? Who tested positive? Two cats in New oh, York yeah, State. Oh, yeah, I saw the cats. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. I mean, pets pets get coronavirus. Cats get coronavirus. Um, you know, you you see, we tend to vaccinate them against coronavirus. But, but it's not something that I worry much about because they don't transmit to humans, right? So, wait. So, a cat can get coronavirus but not transmit but- it to us? Yeah, because they have sort of their own strain of coronavirus. It's different than ours. So the bats can do it, but not the cat. Well, they have to eat the bat or the cat, I think. Oh, it's no. all, right, right, right. Oh. Something like that. If yeah. I ate 
Now I'm not saying I'm going to do this. All right, never mind. Let's move on. Um, Another question was about um, air conditioning. There's another report that says air conditioning may spread coronavirus. And well, and Georgia. I think I, I think that's you know that's from the Chinese report in the uh, what I, I think what they were saying there is remember the air condition leads to uh, the air moves in a certain direction right mm-hmm. right and I think what they were saying there is if you're sitting downstream from the air condition it wouldn't be unusual for the air to be moving in one direction and transmit you know if I have if I cough or or anything the the a virus or any other thing can move down downstream that way right. So is there any, should we have any kind of fear with the governor opening the restaurants and everything back up on Monday that with, I mean, Georgia in the summer, you've got to run that AC. Mm-hmm. It, is there any fear of people going out to eat and this continuing to spread by by people using their AC? Uh, well, I think the, the main issue, honestly, is the, the uh, is that we have to figure out what, I mean, it's almost like you need somebody in there to look in, in restaurants about the direction of the wind, you know, where, which, which way the direction the air condition is blowing into, what are you doing as far as, as the, uh, you know, how are you separating the tables, where are you sitting people down? I mean, if I was going to a restaurant, I would make sure that I sit in a place where I'm not going to be downstream, right? I'm going to be, I mean, finding a place to sit, finding the appropriate place to sit becomes more important than ever. So would it be appropriate if you were going to go out to a restaurant to like bring some wind chimes to see which way it is working. You know, if you like to go sailing, you can use one of those things that oh, you, you use when you go sailing, right? And you can just see you can just see which direction the wind is going. You can throw a little little dust up and, and see which way it goes. And then say, oh, maybe I'll sit over here. Yeah. I, I do that when I play golf. I throw a little gla- grass to see. Right, exactly, which way exactly. You know, it's, it's like playing golf. You know, you got to throw those little things up and say, ah, I think I'm going to sit this way. We made fun of Kara because at her wedding she served tacos on the beach, and we were like, oh, sand taco sounds great. So yeah, throwing yeah. sand into the air at a yeah. restaurant sounds like a win. Uh, Dr. Del Rio, you turned us on to this Washington Institute for Health Metrics website, and it's really been useful. I check it out almost every day, and I see the numbers jump around, especially when you get to Georgia. Like, well, the peak was in May, and now it was in early April, and the death rate went up and then down. Is, is that normal for that to be happening? Well, you know, what was the phrase that predictions are hard, especially when they involve the future? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, I think I think models are our models. Our models depend on what 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 you put into them, right? And as you change the models, uh, things change. In fact, I've been, I've been, I've been waiting to see at what point are they going to? Because you know the model was predicted on Georgia staying closed through end of, through middle of June, and then and now that is no longer that the case. I've been sort of going back and forward and saying, oh, what time are they going to take that new? You know, because they're still saying, oh, containment through closing Georgia. Now they're saying now they move that from June 15th to June 22nd. Wow. But the reality is, if we if we open before that, then I bet you their model is going to change, right? Right. So they're right. taking into account the fact that we're lifting kind of that shelter in place and uh, they, uh, they're taking okay. all, they're taking things into account. And and honestly, they're also putting in, you know, like when they first did the model, they were predicting forward, right? But as as as, as true information is coming in, as as you can see, if you go in there when you see the the graph on deaths in a dark red is the actual number of deaths in a light red or in a, in a, in a, in a dash red is a predicted number of deaths. So they know the number of deaths through April 21st. But after that, if you go to like, 
May 1st, they're projected to have 58 deaths, but it could be anywhere between zero and 182. Okay. So again, you know, but as, as, as the real information is coming in, you start putting into the model and therefore you start getting different results. So one of the dangers... So now, now, now for example, the, the peak, according to this, has moved from, to April 28th. Wow, it jumped oh. last. It jumped last night when I checked it. Right. So, wow. so it's a, it's it's a moving target, you know. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> Correct, so, and, and you know, but also, well, but also, I think it, it tells you that models are just that, are models. You know, they're not the reality, and and we have to. While I like models, and I think they're useful to look at, they're not the the the. It's not the gospel, right? You need to at some point in time say it's only a model, right? Yeah. Okay. We got to take a break and come back because I want to ask you about. So they're talking about one of the things with this, one of the dangerous parts of coronavirus is that you can be carrying it with zero symptoms for 24, 48 hours, transmitting it to other people. So I sent you an article this morning that's saying that now this, uh, it's like a ring. I'm not, it's not a mood ring. It's like it's a, a fitness smart ring. It's a smart ring. It's like a, you know, how people wear smart watches. They're saying that they tested this at a West Virginia University, 30,000 patients, and that it basically indicates with no symptoms that you might be fighting something. Do you think that that's nonsense or you think people should go instead of buying toilet paper, buy one of these smart rings? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that they're doing this because the reality is I think I think there's a lot of things like that related to technology that we could probably do. And I think we need to get a little more. I'm really, I mean, a lot of technology I think is going to help us and confront this. It's technology like this one that you're mentioning, but it's also going to be technology like, for example, I mean, I can, I can see ourselves having in our cell phones like an app that tells you you're way too close to somebody, right? You're within uh, six feet of somebody, so you ought to move, right? <laughs> right, so wearing yardsticks going out of every part pool, of your pool body. Noodles. <laughs> pool noodles. Pool noodles. Pool noodles. That's, yeah, that's right. They're six feet, I think. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Del Rio, so uh, Governor Kemp gets Trump's blessing. Trump turns around yeah. yesterday and says, oh, I disagree with what you're doing. Is is this thing political, or is there, or is there new data that, that some people are seeing that others aren't? The public health has always been political. But I think what we're seeing here is, you know, the president put out and the White House put out a, a sort of a, a blueprint of what they thought needed mm -hmm. to be done. And I think, you know, the president was probably upset that, you know, that the governor did not follow what he thought was his blueprint. And as the president said, I respect him, you know, he's smart. He can do whatever he wants, but he's not following what I recommended. Along those lines, Dr. Del Rio, um, there was some kind of tracking that was supposed to happen before we could kind of go reopen the states and whatnot, tracking of the cases. How exactly does that work? Do they go to, like, try and trace this person's footsteps to see, you know, what stores they may have visited and stuff like that? Because my husband seems to think that there's going to be someone watching surveillance video for the exact moment mm -hmm. that someone you know, be crossed because paths. This, because this virus moves so quickly, I don't think that's going to be the case because this virus, virus moves so, so quickly. I think what's going to happen is what we need is Let's say you get diagnosed today, so we need you to get tested quickly. In other words, you can't wait for five days because you waited for five days, it's too late. Mm -hmm. You start having symptoms, you need to be available to test right away. You need to get your result right away. This is about speed. This virus moves quickly, so we have to move quickly. And you get notified about it, and then public health notifies about it. And what I would think is very important is that people in your household 
immediately get notified and they get tested right away because we've learned from China and from Italy that a lot of transmission occurs in the household. Mm -hmm. So I think, and then you can go to the work side, et cetera. But, you know, remember the transmission requires living with somebody, being very close to somebody. So maybe in your work environment, your household, I don't think they're going to track you across. Um, so, Dr. Del Rio, I wanted to ask you this because you're about 12 to 18 months away from a vaccine is what you estimate. And um, my wife and I actually got into an argument last night because I just proudly said, oh, I'll be first in line for the vaccine. <laughs> And she's worried that a vaccine that's rushed out there quickly won't be safe. And I understand that. There's probably Mm -hmm. a lot of people that feel that way. Is there anything that I could say to her to make her feel better about that or ease her concern? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, the the way vaccines are tested, the way we do clinical testing is precisely to avoid the kinds of problems that you're concerned about. In other words, precisely to avoid that something is going to be unsafe. And, you know, people say, oh, it's going to take too long. Well, it's taking long for a reason. It's taking long because we want to be sure that it's safe, right? So this process of testing is the first phase of a, of a clinical trial is about safety. It's about making sure that whatever we're giving somebody is going to be safe. So you don't want something to be unsafe. Let's test it the right way. And I can tell you that's exactly what is being done with this vaccine. Dr. Del Rio, I'm not sure if you saw any of the research out of UGA the other day, but their uh, Department of Veterinary Medicine is working on a coronavirus vaccine out of their kennel cough vaccine. Is there anything that may be to that? Well, you know, it's actually, again, there are two things here that are important. Number one is that we know from animals that animals get coronavirus. And in fact, if you've taken your cat to the veterinarian, the the veterinarians actually give uh, cats a coronavirus vaccine. It already exists. There is vaccines for certain coronavirus that affects it's just a disease called feline infectious peritonitis that is actually a disease of cats that's caused by a coronavirus. So it's not, it, it's interesting to say we're going to use the same vaccine or the same strategy to do this, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it really, what it, it highlights to me is how we need to remember that veterinary medicine and, and human medicine is not that dissimilar. And at the end of the day, diseases impacting animals can come and impact humans. And this is coronavirus, a great example. This is a virus that came from a bat, right? right? So we need to understand that what happens in animals, we are part of the ecosystem. We're part of the, of the ecology. And the ecology, we're not independent from animals. So using animal knowledge and what we know from disease in animals to advance human health is actually the right thing to do. All these studies are being performed at all these different places. You know, Emory University, of course, being one of them. Do you guys have like a, a Google chat or how do you share your information? <laughs> You know, a lot of different ways, but I think scientific journals is a big one. But the reality is, is information is being shared so much nowadays through social media. Social media is a way in which I'm learning a lot, and people are continuously communicating with social media and advancing what we know through social media. Your social media probably looks different than mine because mine's just loaded up with uh, Tiger King memes. <laughs> people testing cats for coronavirus memes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. Del Rio, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tad and Drug Show podcast. Subscribe for automatic updates and listen live weekdays from 5 to 9 a.m. on B98.5. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.